Welcome to Nav Something Like That with Nav. Hey, it's Nav here. How are you doing? How you been? Hope you're having a wonderful time. Today is one of those days where everything seems to be falling apart on my technical side of it. I have no idea why. It's just that uh, it's just one of those days. But anyway, this particular band is uh, not usually heard. Yeah, You might have heard it, but it's not exactly that usual, not that common. And uh, the good news is this. They are not from planet Earth. They come from another planet. So we're going to ask about the, uh, we're going to ask them about that, uh, to be more precise. They are none other than Merchants of Mercury. And uh, in the studios right now, I have uh, Kit and also Eden. Hey, guys. What's up, man? Uh, hey, now, How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing yeah. good. Eden, how are you? All good? Yeah. You're clear? All good? I know I know. I'm supposed to do some sound check prior to this, but uh, well, it's a pretty last-minute thingy for me, so my apologies for that. So, in the meantime, how's things going on with the so-called MCO and all? Are you guys affected in any way? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of bands are affected by the MCO. Uh, you got your day jobs, right? Oh, uh, yeah. We, we, we have our day jobs, uh, most of us. Okay, that's cool. So then it's not that bad, lah. But yeah, okay, yeah. before before we kick things off, uh, let's ask the most obvious question: um, When did you guys arrive on Earth, and how long did it take you uh, to <laughs> to reach Earth from Mercury, man? Um, uh, I think uh, it was in 2017, but uh, uh, we've been together for I think uh, over 10 years, can they? I think we started meeting together in about 2017, yeah. Okay. Cool, man. Piam. Yeah. Did I get the name right? Piam, right? Pam or Pam? Yeah. Piam. Piam. Yeah. Okay, Piam. I got Piam just joined in the uh, conversation. Uh, cool. Anyway, uh, we're talking to merchants, uh, merchants of Mercury right here. They are, uh, like I said earlier, a very unique band with a unique sound because I can't exactly describe uh, Merchants of Mercury because the, the, the tone that you bring on on stage is a little different from what you find on the conventional bands uh, or other shows that you see. So if, if you could just elaborate a little bit more of the sounds of Merchants of Mercury. Then. Um, I think that uh, what we tried to do is uh, we wanted to be a heavy band but at the same time also a lot of us have very uh uh strong influences of our own kinds of music uh Piam, for example likes funk and soul and blues we all like funk soul and blues uh i am very much into country so all of those sounds they sort of like melded into uh to together with the backbone of the heavy music being uh, the backbone uh, Okay, cool. But you, you also have that southern rock feel in your music, right? <laughs> yeah, there's yeah, something that's... that you don't, you, like I said earlier, when I said that, when you don't commonly find that kind of tunes on stage, uh, southern rock is definitely one of it. Even there's some of them will go, go up to the extent of asking the question of uh, what is southern rock, you know, those kind of things. But mm -hmm. you have that elements in your band, right? Yeah, uh, I th uh, the... the... The four of us, uh, before we made Merchants of Mercury, we were actually in a country band together okay. called uh, The Bakars. Um, and I think uh, that sort of carried into Merchants of Mercury. Uh, no matter how much we tried to disguise it, it sort of uh, came forward. Uh. 
it got stuck on Eula a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Eula. But it's yeah. a good, it's a cool sound, man. But the question is, when exactly did, or, or rather, how did this whole Merchants of Mercury thing happen from Baka itself, from a country <laughs> band into this? Um, it uh, basically uh, the thing that was keeping us sort of. Um, Tame was uh, my sister who was in the band, the Bakars, okay. um, and then uh, she uh, she migrated to New Zealand. So after that, we were sort of like uh, uh, the chains were unleashed. Okay, <laughs> but whose idea was it actually? Uh, I think uh, all the 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 four of us who were left uh, in Malaysia, we. Uh, we decided it together. That's yeah. nice. And uh, please, for, for the benefit of our, our viewers or other listeners right now, let's 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 break it down. Who's who in the band? Okay, um, uh, Idin is uh, the lead guitarist. Uh, Piam is the uh, bassist. The guy who's not here, Fatah, he's the drummer and i am the vocalist and second guitarist i'm guessing that uh, none of you guys are actually talk much <laughs> pm used to pm used to talk a lot uh but why then, is it used uh, to man <laughs> PM, why why used to pm uh what happened what what any particular particular tragedy or something that made you guys go extremely quiet or was there some other fucked up host somewhere around there who messed things up for you guys help me out here man help me out brother <laughs> uh i just want to reduce talking a bit nowadays oh. less talking is better for me i guess you know that doesn't work when you come on uh, interviews and uh, hosts and shows right uh yeah. i think what <laughs> what uh, is contra what's contributing to pm being a little bit more introverted than he used to be is because uh he actually uh got what, what's it called Pyam? the thing that me and shinas gave you <laughs> uh Peneta. yeah yeah really? After yeah. working with uh, me and Shinas for so long, he started developing panic attack. <laughs> that better. <huh? laughs> oh man! <laughs> All right, let's talk about the music a little bit down here. Uh, for a band who's been there since 2017, um, I've also noticed that. Uh, okay, somebody's outside the house. Okay, uh, <laughs> from 2017, I've also noticed that uh, you've come up with a single called Blondie, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, we never. We never managed to release it. Uh, we never managed to release it, but uh, I mean, we haven't officially released it yet because uh, what happened was that uh, we spoke to uh, Madan. You, okay. you, you know Madan? Citrus from Pulse. Yeah, yeah. We spoke to Madan and he suggested that uh, if, if we want to come up with something, Mm -hmm. It should be a uh, uh, Malay song first. Okay. Uh, the reason is because uh, he said that uh, we already have the uh, English, uh, the non-Malay sound. Okay. So if if we were to really, if we really wanted to uh, stand out, then uh, we should join the two together. Okay, and is there any process of uh, writing that uh, Malay track so far? Uh, 
Yeah, yeah, I know, yeah. I know yeah. In, uh, one of one of the interviews that you mentioned that you had about say uh, five tracks, if I'm not mistaken, there uh, five singles ready. And is that true? Uh, we we do we do we have those singles. Um, we just haven't uh, put anything up on Spotify or anything like that yet. In, in that five songs, is this Malay track included in that? Uh, the Malay track would be the sixth song. Okay, that's cool, man. I'm looking forward yeah. to that. But why why take such a long time? Uh, because um, well, there there are, there are a few factors, lah. Um, we uh, one of the factors was that we were want we wanted to go on with uh, Blondie, but okay. uh, then we sort of switched in midway. Mm-hmm. Another reason is um, another reason is we mixing, yeah, mixing and all of that. We we just want to make sure that whatever we uh, release is going to be as perfect as it can get. Oh, cool! That's nice, man. I'm yeah, looking yeah. forward for that. So, any estimation and any particular estimated time for this whole thing to come out? Um, they uh the. Biam has promised me by March, but okay. uh, <laughs> March wait, with March next year. Yeah, because uh, Biam's the the perfectionist here. <laughs> uh, I guess it's much because uh, one thing I've noticed about bands as uh, yours, your yourselves, uh, they're they're very particular in their sounds. They, they keep on re-recording it, re-changing it, uh, remastering or whatever the technical term there is for this particular sound, which takes it a very long time, but. If you're going to wait for a very long time, do you think you'd be losing out on um, the current heat that's going on? Because right now, especially this particular year, this is the year that everybody seems to be releasing tracks <laughs> since everybody's uh, online uh, 90% of the time. So you're coming out with churn, people are churning out music. And do you mm-hmm. guys really want to wait that long? Do you think it's a good thing? Or uh, you just want to rebrand yourself and come out with a bang? <laughs> well, uh... Um, I think that uh, some of us feel that uh, we we actually released a single uh, under the Bakars uh, previously. Okay. It was called uh, Evil Ways. Um, and uh, what we learned from that experience was that if we don't have the right uh, marketing strategies in place before we actually uh, release something that is just going to go under the radar. So we... Uh, we're doing a few things to make sure that when we release it, it's it's not just gonna it's it's not just a, a track that we release. We uh, we're thinking about lyrical video. We're also thinking about a uh, budget music video, and then um, meanwhile, we're also uh, getting more and more active on, or we plan to get more active on our YouTube channel. Just to just to sort of like uh, yeah, just to sort of build up that hype before yeah yeah because i've I've noticed it speaking of our youtubes and so on even on social media uh uh, i would say that you're not really uh, exactly active as what most people are on the air the scene itself because i think i think your music Mm -hmm. speaks for itself instead of this social media so i'm just curious to know whether you guys are like on the purist type that who focuses mainly on the music but not really pay too much attention on social media as uh, most of the people most people do um i think that's mostly because uh we're just lazy <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but um uh, 
uh, all, all uh, the three of us, uh, except for Fatah, uh, we're uh, mass communication students. So we understand the importance of uh, this uh, marketing and all that. It's just, uh, yeah, like I said, like we're just lazy. Oh man, that's 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 the worst excuse you could actually give for a release to come up, man. If you're having plans of bringing it out in March and moving on to that, but honestly, uh, in terms of, uh, I'm just curious. Uh, I've asked this question to many of the bands before that uh, I've chat on the show and uh, during radio days and so on. Uh, the importance of social media. Do you think that uh, the so-called that hype on social media is currently uh, kind of ruining the uh, trend of music, or rather the creative creative side of a musician? Because I've noticed that everybody's so concerned of uh, what's coming out, you know, how the sound's supposed to be on social media, what people want on social media. It kind of, in some way, affect the uh, originality of, of a band itself. Do you think that it's actually happening? I, uh, I I don't want to sound like um, a, a purist, but mm. uh, but you are. <laughs> well, I I find it a good thing. But it is a good thing. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I I strongly believe that uh, the music has turned into uh, so, something a little less than what it used to be. Uh, having said that, having said that, we do have a lot of uh, musicians and artists who are still keeping true to what they do, and as well as musicians and artists who know how to stick true to what they do as well as market themselves. Uh, recently, you uh, interviewed um, Black and Blues, and uh, I'm I'm a huge fan of their stuff. They they sound very pure to me. And uh, well, speaking of that, your like we said earlier, your your genre, your sound is a kind of unique. Like I compared to most of the uh, rock genres that's out in the market right now. And how do you think that the audience? acceptance level would be if you're going to come up with the sounds that you have in terms of uh, musically and on for the mass market actually that's pretty hard to say eh? i think um most of the audience who actually um some of them um probably heard our music so most of them they they said like our songs sound like a little bit of country and rock but they also not sure what type of music we are playing. So I guess we just, when our material is about to be out there, so we just let them gonna be, uh, you know, whatever they think, whatever they, they, they like it or not, I think we leave that to the people. But you, just, you, uh, have, you have your own fan base, right? Who enjoys uh, th this particular sort of uh, uh, music. So I think it shouldn't be much of a problem, right? Uh, we have a very uh, small and loyal fan base, which uh, friends and wives, <laughs> <We're> friends. <laughs> well, uh, speaking speak your friends or uh, wives, I don't know. Uh, here's a couple of messages that just came in. Uh, Sheath Fikes, handsome. Okay, this. Uh -huh. I have a very strong feeling it might be related, but anyway, uh, Nadia Gaffar, uh, Basla Bandi. Yes, I have to agree with Nadia. This this band is absolutely cool, man. And uh, well, you have a couple of uh, videos on your social media, as a matter of fact, some on YouTube, uh, some on your Facebook pages, and so on. But um, one of it uh, which I like was uh, Blondie. The lyrics was a bit uh, um, 
Preaching. out of the ordinary. Okay, and uh, please, please elaborate a bit more on uh, Blondie. What is Blondie all about? Don't ask me. <laughs> I'm I'm like um, in the band. I'm like the guy who doesn't know what's he, going on with the lyrics. I'm he plays the bass. Yeah, He's the I, bass, I just. I just <laughs> 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 janji main lah, janji keluar lah. Janji dengan bass. Blondie is actually uh, about uh, one of my favorite uh, movies, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. It's a story from the viewpoint of uh, I think his name was Tuko. Yeah, that's that's basically that's basically it. It's just a uh, it's just a retelling of the uh, movie, which uh, makes uh, I think makes songwriting very easy. Okay, and the the rest of the singles that you guys wrote are were, were they the same thing? Is um, it based on movies or I mean, how how what inspires you to write the songs that you write, and who's actually writing all the songs? Uh, lyric wise, I I I I I write the lyrics, uh, but all of us contribute in terms of uh, uh, creating the music behind the lyrics. For the other songs, I think what we 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 tend there's there tends to be a theme that we uh, sing about. Uh, we we play the, the lyrics are usually about the underdog. Those those are the uh, some of the songs that we have. There's about what, five five of them, right? Yeah, yeah. We have, and all uh, the and all this will be coming out in March. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking Hopefully. forward to them. Fata, you seem uh, to be you seem to be very have, quiet, uh, Fata. Oh, I'm, I'm just there with the background. It's a little bit hard for him because uh, we recorded our songs like uh, two years ago, Emma. Was it? Yeah, two. two it's almost two. Two years ago. One. Two years ago. Oh, you but, mean uh, you mean the these songs were already recorded? Back and forth, we were actually um, taking some new part here and there. Okay. All right. Okay. Mm. So, so now the only, the only where thing left for you guys to do is just to uh, remaster it, re fine tune it. Is that is that what you guys are trying to do? We're trying to get um, our best mixing and mastering for the song. That the I think um, uh, the previous mixing of our songs were actually um, it's not what we want so I, I guess we we just have to get it right and then it, when whenever it's it is ready i think i think once it's ready it'll be out there in march okay all right i'm looking forward for that definitely and uh, also notice another thing that you guys are also active in battle the bands a band competition and the last one like i had the privilege of checking you guys out was at the rock bottom for uh, keep it oh. local right you had that that thing was in bangsa that was what two years ago or one year ago? i think it was a year ago where year ago. that i mean i mean like um bunch of us we were um entered a few of uh, BOTB before this, I mm. think that that was the most I, I could say epic or um, paling power better the band. The competition you know, like, was quite tough, isn't it? Everybody was uh, bringing in the A game for that particular yeah, battle. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, what was it? Was that the last battle you guys had it, or were there a couple of others after that? <laughs> well, um, that that battle uh we uh we didn't win 
but uh, we we managed to get a, a deal with Madan out of that battle, which is uh, I think which which is more than we could have hoped for. Uh, but after that, uh, we had a battle at GM Klang. Uh, we won that one, and uh, the 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 prize money we got from that battle, we want to that's that's the money we were using for the budget music video. Uh, so that comes in handy but uh i think previously we were very wary about uh joining any battle of the bands because uh what tends to happen is that when you uh don't win you you tend to like your, your smangat jatuh but uh yeah but, but uh yeah but is it is it the case that i mean is that always the case because i find it there's pros and cons of being in a battle of the band Okay, one winning the prize, winning the band is all about reputation. You're going there, you're bagging it, and uh, but what happens is most of the guys who actually win competitions don't do much after that. The guys who don't win are the ones who are producing more music. Have you noticed that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that, that happens. So is is a good is it a good thing or is it a bad thing to uh, actually participate in the, this kind of uh, competitions for bands? I, I think uh, if we look back uh, in. I could say 10 or 15 years back, Battle of the Band was kind of like a platform for most of the bands nowadays because, you know, like uh, Bumpface also started yeah. there. And a few of bands, like um, now they, they, they made it um, to, to a certain point that I think um, Battle of the Band was really a good platform for starters. But now uh, I could say like Battle of the Band's more like, you know, like, um, winning the prizes and um, just sort of like activities that is uh, done by uh, certain um, I would say organizations yeah it's actually it's, at one point of time it used to be beneficial for the bands right getting into the battle of the bands that right now is there for the organizers to be more precise right for the name am I right or not uh, for this I, one? Think, I think uh, uh, it I think the in, that's that's the intention. The intention is for organizers to get the name. But uh, uh, when what we uh, realized as a band once we decided to join Battle of the Bands is that uh, that the sense of uh, competition and uh, uh, that sense of competition is actually a very good experience as I a band. That. Yeah. But yeah. but in your experience all this this uh, battle of the bands what are the things that you guys actually enjoy and uh, what what's the thing that you hate most about battle of the bands i hope fata will come and say at least four words in this la, in this particular version i've been waiting to listen to fata say at least four words la. even even oh, if, even if you come and tell me that dude you look ugly i'll be happy i'll consider this is one of the highlights of the interview man if fata just says four words dude when it comes to battle of the band Fata is the right guy. Really? Yeah. Why is that? <laughs> I mean, yeah, Battle of the Bands is a is a definitely a good exposure for I mean a good platform for exposure, like other than like Ahmad said, sense of competition. But also, you know, getting people together, the right people together. Because, you know, if having good music and not being discovered at the same time might not, you know, help out in the long run. So other than you know the competition i think meeting the right people like for example madan right uh, he gave us the chance he gave us a chance 
that we should have gotten on that day because we yeah we we're not supposed to be in that tree in that top tree right so no, but you, I mean, I, I was puzzled. I was curious because I was talking to the judges after the show, and I was like, "What the fuck? Wait, these guys are not there, man." <laughs> uh, of course, but uh, then again, other things that you, you guys, I mean, the things about battle the bands these days, it like what what you said earlier, it has evolved through the years. I mean, for the better or worse, I'm not too sure. But of course, as bands who were actually participated in a couple of them, the things that you hate most about these competitions. There's definitely something that you know you you should you should I mean bands should just voice it out saying that hey please don't include this in uh, in any of the competitions in the near future. For me personally, I find that uh, judges should not be given a microphone. Why? If you may um, explain a bit why you, you were saying that. Who me? Yeah. No, because the thing is, you see, everybody, the moment you have a microphone, when it comes to the judges, it's just for the sake of saying something, they say it. Have you noticed that or not, Ben? I mean, I've, I've seen bands, I mean, I've seen competitions, I've been in the, the judges' panels before, and sometimes people don't really mean what they say, it's just to make the whole the, the event look exciting, they just keep telling, giving points, oh, which is irrelevant to the whole thing. Do you find that? Do you, do you find it? I mean, of course, it's hard for you guys to answer that kind of questions, lah. Because the next competition, somebody is going to bang you guys for that. I know, <laughs> but but seriously, tell me, tell me honestly, do you find it that uh, they should remove those microphones from the judges? Leave it, leave it as a mystery. Personally, I don't, I don't think. I mean, I don't have I, problems with that, but I'm not, I'm not sure about the others. I'm. I think I I like to remain the mics to the judges because uh, I. I kind of like where sometimes you know you want people to say things about you that you you, you don't want any compliments from your friends and you, you can get it from your friends or your loved ones but you also want people to critique about your music your craft so you i think it's like it's a best one of the best platform that the judges could actually judge your playing or your music oh cool and Kit, do you, do, you, do you find that you feel the same? Uh, be honest, come on, just be honest, man. Okay, I'm, exactly. I'm helping the future participants of the bands out here. My my dad used to say that uh, a lot of times when you put a microphone in front of someone, uh, they, like 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 you said, like, they, they just talk because they like to hear their own voices. So... Uh, <laughs> I think that um, you need you need to get the the right people, uh, you know. Uh, and yeah. I I think that the the problem is that uh, most of the time, people who are called up to judge are uh, people who know that they are important people. So yeah, they do like to hear themselves talk. But uh, at the same time, I agree with Piam that uh, actually uh, it's 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 sad that uh, a lot of times uh, when uh, especially if you get comments from other musicians, they just tell you that oh your stuff is great, uh, we really like your stuff, and of course it's it's nice to hear. But there comes a certain point where you wish you could uh, get more constructive criticism 
But that's based on who's behind the panels, also, right? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Because I, I mean, I, I mean, like I said, I'm not, I'm not criticizing. I'm not uh, judging anybody for that matter. Because, like I said, I've been to uh, many, many, many Battle of the Band challenges, and I've seen people behind the judging panel who have just got into the industry. It's just like maybe three, four songs, or maybe an album or two, uh, haven't really hit the the right spot there. But they are placed in the judges' corner and uh, just to yeah. judge somebody out there. And the best part, most of these people who are the judges panel are also people that weren't judged before. It was just the right marketing strategy, the yeah. right people who came in at the right time. You know, they just blew out out of things without knowing what exactly a battle is all about. So that's that's my take on the whole thing. But as for bands also at the same time, you know, the whole thing of voting, do you think yeah. that should be scrapped out? You know, the, the people voting, support your best band, send in your SMS, write in, do whatever it takes. Do you think that's a good thing or is it a bad thing? Monetary-wise, business-wise, that's good, but for yeah. bands, is it Pure good or good bad? I, I, <laughs> I think that it's bad for the uh, music industry, actually, because um, it's, it's just a... It's, it, when, when you do that, then it becomes a popularity contest. You know, like, if, if I have uh, 10,000 friends, then it doesn't matter how crap my music is going to be, I'm going to get voted up. So... That's that. There is that to me, like, at least. That is an issue. How about you guys, Piam, Fata? You feel the same? Yeah, true, true. Uh, I mean, that would definitely. Um, I mean, like, like I might say, if having a lot of friends and having good music, there are two different things, you know. So sometimes, I mean, like to have a lot of people vote, no matter how bad or how good it. It does not, it, it does not help the purpose of finding good music within ourselves and for the people. So, mm. yeah, that would be pretty bad. Well, so, you gotta excuse me for asking all these questions because who, who, you know who are the judges? They are they must be like the the best people, and hopefully we can only hope uh, for honesty out of them backstage or in front of the stage. You know, but I think the right people saying the right words at the right time would definitely help rather than friends vote nice friends votes yeah Eden just came in Eden, are you there is your internet okay are you moving please shake a little bit to know show us that you are actually exist <laughs> i was oh, getting a photograph down there am i, am I, am I stuck <laughs> yeah you're, no, pretty no, much, you're fine you're fine uh, because this this pretty much feels like one of the zoom classes where the picture is there but the person is not there you know <laughs> 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 oh, he's there. He's uh, there. Okay, cool. At least cool. Uh, you got to excuse me, guys, for asking you guys a lot of questions about Battle of the Bands because I've been wanting to have chats with people who actually participated in this contest. Uh, there's a lot of good and bad things that's going on. I mean, for, for bands who actually participate in this kind of contest, uh, hence the reason why I've been asking that. And the product that's been coming out is also not to the expectations. Every time the winner comes up, mm -mm, it doesn't work out, man. It doesn't really work out. It's like the band, the guys who got second place, third place, and the ones who didn't make it to the top three, the ones producing good music. So I hope there will be some changes, man. I hope there will be some changes, especially with you guys' music. Uh, like I said, I have to wait till March. This is December, January. Okay, like three months is not too bad, man. Not too bad. And uh, okay, here, here's another thing. Here's another thing about social media. I, I did pop the question earlier. The importance of social media for you guys especially okay. are you guys actually those people who's 
into social media, Facebooking, tweeting, uh, Instagram, and all this kind of stuff. Are you guys into that? I think, I think it does. It's important, right? But we're not in to say that we're into. I don't know. <laughs> um. Uh, yeah, like Fata said, we understand how important the social media is. It's just that um, I don't know what's going on with us. Huh? Why? <laughs> <laughs> okay, let, let, let's get let's break this down individually. Okay, I, I'm just gonna go one by one down here okay. on how active you are on a scale of one to ten. One being super lousy, ten being super good on your postings of social media, whether it's Instagram and Facebook and whatever not. Uh, kid, where do you stand? Always against uh, me. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're. You're asking about my personal social yes, media. Yes, yeah. how, how active you are on social media. I'm very active on Facebook, but that's because uh, uh, I work from home and uh, a lot of my work has to do with Facebook. Um, but uh, I have like other accounts which I'm really not active at. I just... Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. if I could, I if I could, I I, I just shut down all of this uh, social media. But it's always been part of my job. So, what what is I it think... that you do? What is it that Go you on. do, kid? Uh, I I I stalk people on Facebook and I get money for that. Ah, cool story of my life. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> how about you? How active are you with social media at a scale of 1 to 10, man? Um, I'm a silent reader most of the time. Cheer, that yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, okay, um, for the sake of argument, like, um, we're, like, between Kate and me, we were having, a, like, we understand, like, the importance of the social media, but um, I was saying I was I was like uh, suggesting something to him recently. We talk about uh, you know like we need to get our material out there across all the platforms. And then I wanted to have our own TikTok account. So he was not like you know you know what like fuck TikTok. So <laughs> <laughs> so I would like how about kid we leave this to Nav. Nav Nav is gonna agree with me. <laughs> Okay, I'll I'll be I'll be I'll be on the neutral side here. Okay, I TikTok yes, uh, for some people is active. Roshan, I think if you had uh, listened to the podcast with Roshan, Roshan has been persuading me to get onto uh, TikTok also to do things. But every single time I see my face on TikTok, I want to puke, dude. I can't. I'm one of those guys with no expression at all. I can't. I suck at it big time, dude. <laughs> And I just can't do that. All those kind of things. I can't do that. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not one of those guys who actually do that. But uh, I don't know. But everybody seems to be saying like every single time you come out, like okay, you must do this. Something new comes up. You must do that. You know, it's hard to keep up, man. It's hard to yeah. keep up. I'm struggling with Facebook. And then they told me Instagram. I get on Instagram. They say no, go on Twitter. I go on Twitter. They say go on TikTok. What the fuck, man? What's next after this? I can't. <laughs> I just can't. I just can't do that. But I don't know about you guys. Fata, uh, how about you? Are you active on social media also? You you look like uh, a good-looking guy, so I'm pretty sure there's a whole lot of pictures on your Instagram and stuff, right? I'm afraid. I don't. I don't take <laughs> a lot of photos of myself. No. Uh, I I think for me it's it's more of seasonal, like 
there are times where I post I, I post a lot of my 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 personal stuff. But like yeah, I mean it's it is about our personal account, right? Or is it about the band? Yeah, your personal, your personal. How active uh, are you? I just want to know. Right. So I I post um, mostly about my artworks and like big events like family gatherings or right like that. But it will be like uh, once every two weeks or three weeks. So I don't know what's what's that. What's my scale? I think I'll be at a. At a four out of ten, yeah. Well, that's not that's too bad, lah. But do you think yeah. do you think there's a solution to this kind of problem? Because I don't I don't blame bands for not exactly being uh, active on social media. It is tough work. It is a very mm. tough work, especially when it comes to the scale of marketing and advertising for yourself. You and you got to concentrate on your music and your day jobs, and so many things yeah. are happening at one go. And uh, there's always an algorithm or there's a pattern when it comes to social media posting. You know, especially for bands, you got to post like this, stand like that. You know the frequency. When do you pose? You know all those things play a very important role for bands. So, do you think that uh, bands should actually take up the time to learn about it, or is that they got to hire somebody and uh, to actually manage your social media or marketing strategy? Which which is which? Which do you think is more much better for you to do? Learn it or hire somebody? Yeah, I think that uh, uh, it's important that you learn it. Mm -hmm. Um, but then once you get to a certain point, uh, you let someone, uh, you let someone take it over. Yeah. But are you feel the same? Yeah. Or do you just like rather have somebody just run your account for yourself? Because it's something like, you know, I mean, seriously, learning it is not an easy task. I've been trying to do it for years and I still suck at it, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the other day I was just listening, uh, about a topic on BFM talking about master jack of all trades or master at one right master one thing so uh i mean like yeah so nowadays especially nowadays in the in the modern world it's like all this technology and stuff it i mean life kind of uh demands us to be like a like a jack of all trades you know but uh i in my opinion i also believe uh in the you know being a, a master at one thing because when we really like focus on one thing we can be really good at it and you know at the end of the day it's about the music and the craft so to to have us focusing on that one thing and then uh, somebody else focusing on the marketing side and that would be a, a better option uh, definitely a better option but realistically that requires a lot of money you know, to, to hire somebody. So I think it's a bit of both. Jack of all trades and hopefully one day being mastered. When, yeah. But you guys are not exactly under any labels or whatsoever, right? Any PR companies. Is there any way that, uh, because a uh, few weeks back or rather a few months back, I had this uh, uh, podcast with one of the uh, guys who was involved with uh, promoting bands or helping them market themselves. Uh, they are called 3T or thrive think tank who actually helps out bands to come up with things like this and of course they talk about percentages going on and packages is like is there any more of that happening around right now that you have come across have you heard of anything like that not that i know of i mean i'm sure there are it's just that i've never come, I came across that i'm not sure about pm 
well i i i think it's best if someone else is managing our social media accounts because um they know the best you know like we we can focus on what we can focus on the music just the, on the music itself so i guess let um other people that's why there there are crews there are people behind uh, everything is going on you know um on the show so i think it's best if for the band they just have to focus on the music and then um let the creative i i, I mean it's like um <clears throat> the those people who actually doing it for the band they also have to understand like what's the value the character of uh, every member you know like the nature that they want to put they want the public to know or see who they are they also have to blend in well and then put it out there nicely and it's like a win-win situation both of it both of them nice but one thing i know for sure i don't know about social media i don't know about uh, marketing and all the other stuff but uh, one of the most important things that you guys actually actually need right now very very badly is your band pictures dude <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> you guys seriously, seriously got to take photos, man. It's about time. I think I think it's about time you did that. You know, yeah. you have to do it, man. Please tell me you have plans. I'm, I'm like, uh, you know, like uh, I'm uh, this thing. I think we should like Fata and Idin. Uh, they they always like um, okay with anything. So it's between Kate and me. We're always like. I, he want he wanted to go this way. I wanted to go this way. So we were kind of like um, in a love hate relationship. But I, but actually, that that's one of the best things about being in a band. You know, you have different opinions. You don't ha always have to make it together. I mean, bands like Queen also fought for years. Okay, someone that big, babe, Queen. Every single band is big names. They always have that difference of opinions in, in a band. But that made it more interesting for band members because you get the best of both worlds. You get this, you get that. You fight, yeah. and then you kiss and make up. Uh, I'm not asking you to do that literally, but I'm just saying. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but cool, man. I am yeah. so looking forward for you guys that I have to say thank you so much, guys. I mean, it's, I just want to have a chat with you guys. Just want to know uh, how is it like uh, talking to the band itself? Because like I said, it's hardly, uh, I could hardly find anything on you guys. It's like, first I thought you want to be a low profile. Uh, but then again, since you mentioned that you're coming up with a strategy, so I guess we have to look forward, wait and see uh, this coming March. March, confirm, my PM. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's, uh, it's it's recorded now, so yeah, March. Yeah, March. Yeah. I'm definitely going to call you guys back again in March. But are you guys going to release it as an LP or something like that, yeah. a particular album, you know, those kind of things? Or are you just going to go on with single, 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 release one single, wait for six months, then release another single, another six months, and then by 2027 we'll get the full album. Which one is going <laughs> to is it going to be? I think uh, single first. We'll let that. Uh, we'll we'll promote the single for a while, and then we'll come out with the rest of the songs. Cool. Any name for the LP or album planned in in mind? Yo, mom. Mm. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> so, um. Do, do, do you aware of our band logo? 
Yes, uh, MOM, uh, MOM. Oh, so okay, yeah. okay, okay. Have, okay. have, you, have you seen the logo? Like, like yes, you're aware of it, like uh, the design of it. Kitchita. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I get it, I get it. All right, guys, thank you so much, man. Thank you so much for coming thank on board. You. And uh, for the rest of the people out there who have not checked out uh, Merchants of Mercury, just head on to their Facebook page. You've got a couple of videos down there. Especially check out this uh, track called Blondie. It's an awesome track. It's, uh, uh, they're full of energy when it comes on stage. They had uh, some of the performances you can see on YouTube also when they performed at the Medica Raya, if not mistaken. This was about a year or two ago. And uh, at the very same time, they had some uh, performances on TV9, right? Was it TV9? Yeah, yeah, yeah. TV3. TV3, TV3. Borak Kopitiam. And there's another video you can check out, which is uh, Local Live or something like that, right? Studio Locasi. So, Studio Locasi. Uh, excuse me with that. Okay, yeah. so check them out. It's all available down there. In the meantime, follow them on Facebook. Just uh, type in Merchants of Mercury. Follow them on Instagram. Also, Merchants of Mercury. Spotify, not yet. Okay, I will just keep make a date for the next coming March, which is another three to four months from now. I'll get back in with you guys, and hopefully the song's out by then. Yeah? So, guys, yeah. once again, thank you so much for taking the time and uh, being on the show. I'll uh, look thank forward you. for more chat. Anything else you'd like to uh, pass a message to the people out there? Just uh, take care of your moms. <laughs> That's my line. And look out for music. Okay, go back. And uh, my regards to Eden, Mr. Chip Small. Kejap ada, kejap tadi. So my regards to him. Guys, thank you so much. Uh, I guess it's about time we wrap things up. And uh, don't forget to check out this podcast. Uh, share it as with many people as possible. And uh, I don't know whether there's a subscribe button for this, but if there is, please do subscribe it and uh, follow it. Once again, Merchants of Mercury, Thanks. thank you very much. Kim, Fata, and also thank yeah, you. man. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Turn up the volume. The volume. What's up? This is something like that with me, Nav, and uh, a big hello to everybody out there. This is a show powered by Gandang.com.my. If you haven't checked out their webpage yet, please go ahead for your entertainment dose uh, from the Malaysian music scene, uh, art scenes, entertainment, anything you want. Just visit them. And also, hey, uh, somebody told me to do this every time I start the show. I, I rarely do this since the uh, very start of this particular show is that... Uh, I'm supposed to ask you guys to actually click on the like button, subscribe button, share button, do whatever you need to do. So it doesn't matter which platform you're watching or listening to. Uh, just do that. Like, subscribe, follow, like, do the, the usual shit. Like, I'll try to do that as much as possible. So at least I know that you are there listening to this whole podcast. Anyway, hey, uh, a couple of weeks, a uh, couple of episodes we've been having, let's say, musicians, we've been having comedians, uh, we've been having DJs, but uh, today's show, I got an old friend of mine, a very old friend, known him for quite a while, he, I don't know how to start this, how do I actually introduce him, because he's a man who wears many hats, he's, he's a director, he's an editor, he's an actor, he's a musician, he's a podcaster, he's a sound this, sound that, you know, you know the whole list. Like, yes, a pretty, 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 pretty long list of jobs that he does or he has been doing. Which means, technically, he, if he walks into a room, ten guys would just lose their jobs, man. So I'm talking about Kai, Kyriel Baha, Kyriel M Baha, better known as uh, Kai among our friends. Until some new singer came and ruined that name, <laughs> Kai. <laughs> hey, man, how you doing, man? Hey, how's it going, dude? 
It's good, man. True, right? It's like that, that that one guy came and fucked it all up for everybody, dude. Dude, I've been having it since freaking what was it? The first one was Kai AF in oh, Academy Fantasia 2. I actually got SMSs from random girls asking <laughs> if I was Kai AF. And oh. yeah. Thankfully at that age, even though I was age appropriate, I wasn't that desperate. That I was gonna <laughs> pretend that I was gonna be that dude. And no, uh, but this new Kai Baja is pretty big, like yeah. Well, on, on the bright side, you can actually just tell everybody that, yeah, Kai's in this next movie of mine. Kai's the <laughs> one who did this movie, and everybody goes to watch it just for that. But it is it is true. It's like when I, I said Kai's coming on the show, I had messages going in. You mean you're getting the singer on board? I said, what singer? I didn't know. I Seriously, I'm not following that the so-called that side of the year scene. But then I said, Kai, I know Kai has a band, but was he that big? I mean, for I mean for that amount of people who know him that way. But it's like, no, 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 this is the different guys. Like, okay, that dude actually stole your name. And you should sue him or just walk around with the t-shirt, which I am not that guy. <laughs> I have thought about it many times. And then I'm like, I'd just be like one of those internet trolls that I get annoyed by. Yeah. So I've tried to refrain from calling him out. <laughs> I, I'm, just, I'm just looking forward for the day where you wear a t-shirt that says, he stole my name and stand behind, beside that actually, the other guy, man. <laughs> You know, Astro oh. once tagged uh, tagged him with my profile. Really? On well, Facebook. That was a good thing, anyway. <laughs> in one way, like in one way. It's good to see you, man. You know, just it I just realized. Really good to see you. I just realized something. We've known each other for a very, very long time, but somehow yes. it's like a ritual that we only see each other every five to seven years once. Kind. Yeah. yeah, isn't it funny, isn't it? I was just like, okay, fine, Kai, I haven't seen him. Then I started looking back, it's like, shit, man. I haven't seen him in a very long time, dude. Whereabouts do you hang out then? That our paths know. don't cross, you know? I know, like, I'm just trying to figure out. We, we are pretty much in the same, kind of the same industry, but we don't really yeah. see each other much in any way. Yeah? Hopefully, yeah, hopefully like, it changes next year, man. I feel like I've only seen you in, rate, in DJ booths. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hardly go out anyway, man. I hardly go out. But then again, like you, you, for instance, we only have this chat, uh, yeah, only only online. Whenever it comes to interview, that's where we bump into each other, man. Yep, and catch up with for the past like five, seven years. Yeah, and then we wait again <laughs> for the next another five, seven years. But I think we're reaching an age where we don't need to wait that long. La. I can say that for hopefully. sure. Hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, dude, I, I know it's usually the ritual for most shows or interviews or something like that to have some chit-chat first and then towards the end to talk about the movie, but I, I can't wait. I just watched it <laughs> this moment. I just can't wait. So I'm just going to change the entire format and bring it to the very start by st saying that, dude, that was a freaking awesome movie. Kick Thank flip. You. Thank is, you so much. Dude, I, I couldn't wait. My wife, my wife was looking at me feeling excited. I couldn't sleep. I was just jumping around. I was just waiting for this 9.30 moment. Usually I have my naps in the afternoon, but I said, no, I just can't wait to chat with this fucking man. It's just that I would say personally for me, like I said off air, I'm not exaggerating. I'm not saying this because you're my friend. I'm not saying it because of this show. This has to be the best movie I've watched for 2020. Man. I, I don't know how to react to that except to say thank you, dude. That's crazy. It's... I, I didn't expect it. I seriously didn't expect it because let, let's face it. I'll be very honest with you. The moment you say something about independent or some short films, you have a different perception altogether. But the storyline for this particular movie, some or other had a, an emotional connection. You know, it's like I've, I was just watching, looking at the screen. It's like, 
shit, is he, did he take about my life, something about my life, <laughs> minus the skateboarding and stuff like that? And I, and I bet you at least about 8 out of 10 people would have experienced something like this in their lives, man. You know, if you're not a, not a skateboarding partner, skateboarding in a million I mean, miles away, man. I think, I think that's why the subject matter, like, really spoke to me because, you know, it's pretty obvious just looking at it that it's a part of my life, you know? Um, and during that period, like the character, it was, you know, like, I think people within, people that are trying to do the stuff that we do or within the circle of friends we have are trying to do, just trying to do something, you know? Um, I think it's a movie that, you can relate to because like we're just beset with failure and rejection nonstop. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, as you get older as well, you start having to question like, am I just, am I still being a kid and playing around? Do I need to grow up as it was? So like, these were all the themes that I kind of wanted to explore with this film. Yeah, but and it's that, that kind of touching it, people's nerves though. <laughs> yeah. No, but, but that wasn't only it. It's also the things that I, I the way I looked at it, it was also about uh, sacrificing your passion, something that you mm. live at for responsibility. And then you got to have the equal balance in both of it. Passion, responsibility, how do you bring it together? You know, those little things like the fun that you want to have in life, but you can't actually do it. You know, those kind of details and businesses or maybe jobs that you want to do, you just can't, you have to force yourself to head on to work. But before I get, I, I'm, I'm sounding too excited right here, man. I'm, do excuse me. Okay, I got to hold back a little bit. But please, please, for the benefit of our listeners or viewers, uh, in a nutshell, what's this movie all about? Tell them. I, I would just end up blabbering all about it. So I'm going to try to <laughs> shut up for a second. So please tell them about it, man. I mean, like, I jokingly refer to it as the uh midlife crisis skateboarding movie you know uh, <laughs> it, that kind of encapsulates it quite well um the movie is about um a middle-aged married man um with a wife who's newly pregnant and a dream business that's failed having to start again working in the type of job that he doesn't like because he has to be responsible and at some point in the movie he rediscovers a passion of his from when he was younger, which was skateboarding. Excuse my cat. Move, gimme. Oh boy. This is what it's like living with cats <laughs> during lockdown. There you go. And by um, you know, rediscovering that passion for that activity, he rediscovers like what why he was trying to, you know, start this dream business in the first place, what his passions were, what he loves to do. You know, um, and it's pulled a lot from my own personal experience um, because, yeah, like the, the footage in the opening credits, that's all home videos of mine, you know. I'm surprised uh, you and, have it. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a weird archivist that way. <laughs> <laughs> like like um, during lockdown, I was just pulling out the VCRs and just like, okay, let's transfer these tapes. Let's see what we can find and just finding all these things. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Oh, so much a difference. It's like I brought back memories of the first time I met you, man. It's like, hey, wait, this is, <laughs> this is when I first met him, man. This is how he looked like. This you is know, how skinny he was. was. What happened? Oh, that, I mean, that's a bit sensitive for me, man. I know that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the thing is, you wrote this movie, right? You wrote this mm -hmm. movie, every details in it. You directed it. And, of course, the, the best part of all, it was, in, it was shot in black and white. Yes. 
I'm not complaining. I just love it. I love the whole idea. But uh, just curious, why? Um, a couple of reasons. Um, I mean, the first was like it fit the story because what you call it, at the same time, like I was getting into skateboarding, like the character, I was also getting back into old film photography. And the first type of film you learn to process by yourself is black and white film. Okay. You know? And that was the background behind that. So I wanted every scene, every shot to look like a picture. You know, that's why the, the, it's not a 16 by 9 frame. It's not widescreen and it's not the old square TV frame. Um, if you measured it, it's the same size as your 4R photos that you'd get developed back in the day. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we're playing with a, just even by the size of the frame. When it goes to a video camera, it goes into a square one. When it gets to the end credits, it becomes long again, you know, um, things like that. So that was one. And two, because I was getting back into film photography um, and black and white film photography, of course, I started looking at black and white films a lot more. Um, and it's a completely different aesthetic. And it's a beautiful aesthetic, um, you know, so and it's weird because at the same time, because it was black and white, that was a handicap for us when we went to try and sell the film, you know? Okay. Like we'd have more than once, I'd, I'd see the complete, uh, what do you call it, change in reaction as I'm describing the movie and I say, oh, it's a black and white film. I'm like, black and white, <laughs> you know? Like automatically, it doesn't matter what the story is. Fuck, I can't sell black and white. You know what I mean? Um, and which is still weird to me because you see a lot of legit filmmakers to this day still, you know, shooting black and white. David Finch's new movie on Netflix is in black and white. Um, exactly. Yeah. I mean, one of the ones and, I could recall personally was Schindler's List. Uh, like, Schindler's List. There you yeah. go. And it's, you know, like, come on, everyone on Instagram plays with black and white. Like, it's not a weird thing, but there is that stigma on it. Um, so... And that's the thing, like, I wanted to make sure that I didn't pussy out on the black and white. So we shot it black and white in the camera. You know? So we, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't shot in color and then we turned it black and white. No, we had the settings in the camera so that everything that was recorded was recorded in black and white. So no excuses of changing it later on. Yes. At no point would you go like, you know what? The distributor says if it was in color, we'd be able to get distributions. We'll change it to colors. Like, nope, it was shot in black and white. (laughs) Fuck you. You know? So it's kind oh. of also a mission statement as well, because this movie, I'll, I'll be honest, when I was writing it and thinking about making it, this was the, you know what? Fuck it. Let's try and do something of my own once again uh, and a personal story. And if nobody likes it, that maybe that's the sign that I need to quit the game. You know what I mean? Oh, come on, man. I, no, I honestly, honestly, like that was the thought process at the time. So even shooting it in black and white was one of those you know, like, fuck you, this is what I want to do, statements. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is a good um, one. Which is a good one, I would admit yeah. it. Of course, <laughs> I, I, won't, I won't deny the fact that I was actually, because the thing is, we're so customized watching movies as such, which starts off with black and white, then halfway through it turns into color, you know, those mm. kind of thingy going on. But in this case, the only color that I saw was the bits and pieces of photos, which is about a one second or two second thingy. Mm. You know, that's the only thing that you can actually see. But no complaints. I kind of love it because I was just curious to know until the very end, is it going to be black and white all the way? You know, because I had no expectations whatsoever when I watched the movie. It's just like, mm. let's sit down, let's click play and just watch the whole thing. And dialogues. Who wrote the script, man? Me. 
you wrote the script also every yes. single word that came out of it because why i'm asking you this is because i love the details the little, little details of things that you say you know like uh, like for example like uh oh man it's not coming to my head right now it's like uh during the i don't want to give away too much of the movie i want them to watch the whole thing like you know you're watching the movie uh there's one part you and ash uh, were having something and ash was complimenting you then all of a sudden emily walks in and said don't suck his cock or something Ah, you yes. know, those, you know, you know <laughs> those, those things were natural and a lot of things even your conversation with your wife in the movie uh which is awesome i just i know i just have it at the tip of my tongue right now but just i don't want to give it away i just want people to actually pay close attention to every single word that comes out <laughs> and this the scenes that came in amelia okay amelia did a fantastic job because there was a part in i felt like i just want to choke her when she played the role <laughs> yeah. of that boss i seriously wanted to choke her it's like I know this I know this kind of woman man I've been there I've experienced this kind of woman before it's like you know you just want to kill her but she did an amazing job not as not not I'm not even, I'm not going to kill Amelia but the character itself <laughs> she was amazing that super bitchy boss oh man a little flashback for me uh, about 20 years ago when I was in the office side man oh, but I must say but I must say is like every single thing the scenes that came in in the movie is like it's very uh relatable for many people like i said earlier it doesn't have to be necessarily on skateboard there's a lot of things even people in my field uh some of us had to sacrifice djing in order for us to get a proper job you know oh, yeah. a proper day job you know we had to give up those kind of life but then again we wanted to have it on the other side also at the same time so the whole movie every single detail of it uh the betrayal part of it friends betraying you in businesses ah oh, man it was But this is listening in right now please please watch that movie immediately don't really tell you the whole thing but uh, uh well i'm just going um i'm just going to pop in one quick question from wang right now uh jack's okay. production um experimenting with safety or just do it mentality which is more view more me yeah uh do it just do it like but just do it but here's the thing like You know like some people say like you know don't think just do it other people say like you know really think shit through um and to me like both have merit my my impulse response is to say just do it but you know cover your bases you know what i mean either cover your bases or be prepared right now like if this all goes wrong be prepared to accept that you know okay. like it's it's what do you call it like a lot of the stuff that i've done um the indie stuff they were all like kind of a just do it punk rock attitude um and not knowing whether i can pull it off you know but by committing to it right by saying okay you know what we're we're going to do this like i'm kind of forced to have to learn how to do it you know like it was all the way back to like my first movie um the first album with y2k I'd never recorded a full album before, you know. Um by my like things like that like it's just do it and then but be prepared to actually do it, you know. There's a lot of people that say just do it and don't mention the repercussions. The repercussions could be fucking horrendous, you know. You just it's the same with uh, it's the same um way with how I think about if I'm going to post online, you know. Okay. If I want to say something, I'm going to say it. but i also have to be 100% confident if someone calls me out on it 
if someone thinks it's wrong, if someone thinks this, if whatever bullshit that could happen online, I have to be prepared for that, you know? So yeah, just do it, but you know, don't think that things won't fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> be prepared for it, like, just be prepared yeah. for it. Well, I'm just going to add on to another comment. It's being indie, it's still about safety, but making sure it works. But the thing is this, uh, you got to excuse me, it's like I, I do not know much about the technicalities of movies. Yes, I'm a guy who loves movies. I just love watching any genres. You know, as long as it entertains me, I just like to watch the entire, I mean, dialogues, how it's all, it's all taken. But the term indie, right, um, to be more specific right now, these days, it's a bit confusing for me because, you know, you want to talk about big budget movies and then indie movies, you want to do a comparison. A lot of indie movies has actually come out so well. You know, it's like huge. It, it, has, made, it has made big names. Like, like say, you're going back a little bit, uh, Pulp Fiction, Whiplash, mm -hmm. then you, even the late, the reason one, 2019, Parasite. Yes. Parasite was actually an indie movie, right? But there's a thing, like, um, like, like you said, indie can be confusing because... Technically, indie means independent film, so it wasn't made by any studio. Please excuse my cat jumping on the wall there. No worries. Uh, <laughs> um, Out of the show. There you go. So, yes, while something like Pulp Fiction is an indie film, so is Die Hard 3. Die Hard 3 wasn't financed by the studio. Oh, Ninja Turtles, the first Ninja, the first Ninja Turtles movie, the 1989 Turtles movie, is an indie film by an indie studio. Oh. Yeah. Oh. You know, okay. so, like... There's always like some weird thought like, oh, indie, that must mean it's cheap. Not necessarily, you know, yeah. or indie, that must mean it's artsy. Not necessarily, you know, okay. indie just means that, you know, studio bigwigs had nothing to do with the making of the film. Okay. Yeah. So even, even in terms, how about the budget part of it? Because I read it somewhere that in an average, if we, I'm talking about the outside of Malaysia, the US or in most parts of the world, they say the average is about, say, 750K per movie. You know, that is considered small budget, you know, details as such. Is the budget, does the budget fall into the word indie? Now, uh, is it linked? No, because, both? I mean, technically no, because if Warner Brothers gave you a million to make mm -hmm. a film, that's a studio film. It's a cheap studio film, but it's a studio film. You see what I mean? And and the, sh the movies like that is being produced down here, because they're, like, like my intro stated that... Uh, uh, one of your movies that only cost about 10k but it made big names out big name out there yeah. right so does okay. the money really matter for an indie movie itself like it depends on what you want out of it i mean that's the big thing you know um because look as a company it would be incredibly irresponsible to make a film not expecting profit like True. that's just a fact right but then you will also have some companies that know that and they're doing it because they are building up, you know, their portfolio, which is a valid, you know, investment. Um, and for like people like me, it's here's the thing. Like I do the I do the day to day stuff that gets me paid so that I have the freedom to do this. You okay. see what I'm saying? Like. Um, I, I never understood when uh, I'd meet first time filmmakers who have this huge idea, right? And they're obviously very talented, but they don't have the back, you know, they don't have the portfolio to support investing millions of dollars into a film, right? And they're wondering why no one's gonna invest those millions of dollars. And the fact is very simple, you know, um, you're untested. Even okay. when you have got experience, like I had, you know, up like Kickflip is my fifth feature film, right? 
but you don't see me making a lot of big budget movies and that's not by choice i would love to make movies with a budget you know what i mean but i'd you, like you to did. be able to feed people <laughs> but you did showdown right mm -hmm. was it a big budget for me yeah it was um the biggest budget i've ever had it was the first time working with a studio um and i'm just very proud of the film like honestly uh you know but at the same time it's weird because showdown was the um, it's not when showdown was being released was about to be released and my whole you know uh viewpoint of going into showdown was okay after making all these indie films and short films and ads and whatever trying to get my name noticed finally got an opportunity to do a studio film right and that will open up the doors to other studio films tv shows whatever and maybe i'll finally be accepted by the mainstream um and the movie came out and then it left you know it wasn't a huge success it wasn't a huge failure it existed right like movies like most movies usually do and I can honestly say it's done nothing for my career. Uh, really? I mean, that's not me disparaging it. That's just a fact. Like, Showdown hasn't opened any doors. You know, I don't know if it's closed any doors, but it's, you know, it hasn't <laughs> opened any no, doors. But do you think, is there, like, is there a chance of uh, the whole industry, a monopoly in the industry of where uh, the, the key players are the only ones getting the opportunity? Like, people in the indie scenes, like, as yourself, to penetrate into the mainstream itself or studio. Uh, studio uh, produced movies is that is there any possibilities of that a i mean maybe like maybe a bit i mean at the end of the day business is business and i totally understand that i have no issue with that but also i don't think that it's i don't think that's the root cause you know um at the end of the day money talks okay like if you're an indie filmmaker but your last film grossed a lot of money people notice and that's just a fact, you know? Um, <laughs> what I've noticed is that critics notice my movie, uh, but um, the box office not so much. But even then, it's understandable because my movies don't get released huge, you know what I mean? And they don't get promoted in a huge way. So like that first movie of mine, Cheap Lot, which cost 10,000, like you go on an average day to the cinema, there's probably five people, maybe three. And two of them came into the wrong cinema. <laughs> <laughs> And, and that's not even a joke. That happened a lot of times because it came out the same year as uh, Aflin Shauki's Bayi Punya Chilo. So okay. they'd get the two movie titles confused and they'd be in there oh, like, man. oh, this isn't what I paid for. Fuck this. And leave. I was oh, like, okay, man. fair enough. No, but the thing you is, know? like, even even movies, like uh, like I said, maybe the, the the brand itself, like, you know, when sometimes uh, when you read in, in articles about a certain movies that come out, they always have this... Thing of labeling it as immediately labeling it as indie movie instead of just mentioning it as a movie itself so the perception that people have the moment you say indie movie they have this thing okay it's going to be a low budget movie and it's going to be the storyline is pretty much going to be like this you know the mm. perception that people have during the promotion itself do you think that well, is also a contributing factor to that no uh, i mean to an extent but at the same time like those type of movies must have existed for people to have that perception. Um, as as for like you know labeling a film an indie film, you know, or making those you know like labeling it as that is to me lazy. You know what I mean? Um, because you know that it's going to create a perception. Uh, so I don't know. You know, like yeah, there are there are perceptions. I mean, even 
when I was starting up, I had perceptions of local indie film, you know? Okay. Uh, it can't be helped, but, you know, I don't think that's a major deterrent. Like, at the end of the day, when it comes to films um, and independent films in particular, it's all about whether you can get people to know that the film is out. People that would want to watch the movie know that the film is out. Um, and in the regular, if like, if Corona wasn't here right now, um, what do you call it? Like trying to promote a small movie like Kickflip is very, very difficult. You know, sure. when you have, think about it, this year Wonder Woman was supposed to come out and all these other huge films, Tenet, was, you know, like supposed to be the hugest film of the year. Um, James Bond's supposed to come out this year, right? <laughs> Would have been a nightmare and, for most of you guys, man. Exactly. So then you, you, you're sitting there like, um, if, if you're done with Bond, we have this small black and white skateboarding <laughs> movie by people you don't know. <laughs> uh, that, that's going to be tough, man. But that's but the thing is this, uh, you the good thing about this particular movie, Kickflip, uh, the streaming platform, movie, right? Okay, uh, for the benefit of our listeners right now, I am not paid by movie, neither is this whole show <laughs> sponsored by movie. Uh, this whole show is run by uh, sunshine, rainbows, fresh air, and a can of coffee. <laughs> nothing else, nothing more than that. But uh, movie, I, I must say, movies are one of the uh, interesting platforms because uh, the whole idea of it, instead of people like, you know, wanting to go to the cinemas and so on, at least now they have an option of because. You just go online, you just pay for it. It's only about five bucks or seven mm. bucks, depends how you want to subscribe to the whole thing. Uh, and you just get to choose your movie on the spot. And uh, this way, you can actually market it nationwide, online, or worldwide, right? Yeah. Which is I much mean, better than, I don't know, for, for me, I don't know. I look at it as uh, much better than cinemas itself. It's okay. Uh, that's, that's another point. But uh, like, we'll just get on movie, the platform first. Like, to me, it's an interesting platform. And I'm honestly like quite happy that it's the platform that it, this movie's starting out on because it is obviously a site designed for people who are interested in film, you know? Like Netflix is, and I love Netflix, but Netflix is a site for people who want entertainment. Okay. You know, of varying genres, of varying, you know, and whilst movie has, you know, so, some more of the more fun mainstream stuff, it is very obviously you know, about film and movies and curated films. It's not necessarily the most biggest box office film. You probably may not have heard of a bunch of the films on movie, you know? So I, I first found out about that site last year. So it was always like in the back of my head, like, can we get this movie on movie? So yeah, I'm, I'm quite happy that it's uh, on there right now. As for um, cinemas, like I get where you're coming from, but at the same time, there is a, there is, there is something really nice about the communal feeling of watching a film. You know, there are certain films where the experience I had in the cinema is a hundred times better than watching it at home. You know, like a movie could be a hundred times funnier in a cinema just because you're all there together or like something like gravity. Gravity on a laptop sucks. Okay, yeah, that's you know? true. <laughs> the reason gravity, why I didn't watch the movie again because of that. There you go. Gravity, like I saw it in IMAX. So after that, I'm like, how am I going to watch this on a TV? That's impossible. 
You know, it has we, to be experienced this big. <laughs> yeah, I know, man. I know, I know that feeling. I, I get what you mean in the whole thing. But it, what way? The reason why I'm saying this is because uh, we also know that when it comes to independent movies uh, or rather indie movies, the, the screens, the amount of screens you get, hmm. is not exactly as much as what you would expect, right? In uh, in comparison with the big budget movies, is it true? Oh yeah, I don't think I've gone over twenty screens. Yeah, so uh, except for is, showdown, yeah. Like, okay, it's but, definitely been, like, you know, 3 to 8, maybe 15. I can't remember the exact figures. Around there. Yeah, because that's, that's the reason why I'm asking. Because uh, earlier yeah. we were talking about making a movie and getting it out to people. And also, you want to look at making money out of it. Hmm. You want to make some profit out of it. So, if you're going to have difficulties getting it from the big screen, uh, platforms as such, like movies and so on, like, for example, Netflix, it could help out, right? Oh, definitely. I mean... Having my movie on streaming has been a blessing in the sense that, you know, for the local, uh, like if Kickflip just by itself was, you know, going through the process of going in the cinema, right? It wouldn't be the same version you saw, you know, that, just as a fact. The, um, and a lot of it would be because of language, you know, some words be censored. Some scenes would be censored, even though the woman playing my wife is my real wife. <laughs> Yeah, you know, but still, they might have some oh, no. I, issues. That, that was my first reaction. If this was in the cinema, <gasps> he kissed. Right? Oh, no. That's it. Yeah, I kissed Ta-da. my wife. Oh, no. Yes. Ban. Ban <laughs> movie throws. Ban. <laughs> like, what about the bit when he said fuck before that? Fuck that. Yeah. He kissed his wife. Ban. Ban the movie. <laughs> ban the movie. No way. It's not going to be shown. But that's, that's another funny thing. It's like uh, making movies, the restrictions that you have uh, for local producers and um, mm. uh, movie producers, the censorship level that you have for the, these movies, isn't it like kind of like obstructing or just like limiting your creativity on uh, releasing it out there? You know, like, okay, let's face it. Some of the movies that you get from Hollywood as you seriously have doubts on how did this movie actually made it to the cinema man, without being censored <laughs> this much. And then, but when it comes to the local movies, you can't say this, you can't do that, you can't play this, you can't play yeah. that. It's like the, the, the limitations you have is extremely high, right? Okay, here's the thing. I accept limitations. You know, as an indie filmmaker, you are already limited, right? Yeah. There's nothing wrong with limitations. Limitations are a good thing. Limitations are the mother of creativity. But the problem with our censorship in Malaysia, the limitations are not set a standard. You know? Okay. Like the year you could the year you're making the movie, that content could be okay. The next year, it could be something that requires censorship. Oh. You see what I mean? Like I'll give you an example. Um, in America. Uh, you know, we all want to think like America, oh, they were like just so open with films. No, they were very prudent. Um, in the, if I remember my film history correctly, around the 30s, 40s, probably more around the 40s, because of all these gangster films and scenes of violence and stuff like that and suggested sexuality, uh, the censorship board became really stringent, right? And what that does is make filmmakers go, okay, well, if I want to tell this story, how do I tell it? You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. what you have there is a list of rules that they've set in stone, right? And if you can prove that you haven't broken that rule, then it's okay. You know what I mean? Unless like it becomes to the point where you have to add amendments. But okay. there is a rule. They stick to it. 
And if you can get around that rule, then good for you. You know, in Malaysia, those rules are written, but they're not set in stone. What they say is not okay today could be okay tomorrow. What they say is not uh, okay today could not be okay tomorrow. And that is the inherent problem. So when you're trying to create something and you don't know what the limitations are, where the, where the borders are, you end up just making the borders yourselves and they become really, really narrow. Just to you play know? it safe, like just in case. Just to just to make sure that no one bans your film, uh, right? Okay. And that that becomes the problem, you know. When you're like, can we show this? Can we not show this? You know what? To be safe, let's not show this. Can we talk about this? Can we not talk about that? Okay, to be safe, let's not talk about that. And that to me is the inherent problem. Unless, let's say, a film comes out where it does get passed with that type of content. So now you have precedent. And you mm -hmm. see it happen a lot, like uh, Rump It came out around the same okay. time as my first movie, Chipla. And I was surprised just by the trailer at how much was allowed through, you know? And they got through on a technicality, but what happened after that? A whole bunch of racing films, right? Okay. KL Drift, KL Manjarit, Bosia Jangan Ambit Jalan Hitam, whatever the hell that movie was called, <laughs> you know? Um, the same with horror, like, Jangan pandang belakang and munafik become blockbusters, and suddenly the horror rules are kind of like brought back down, you know, because okay. the the censorship rules on horror are very specific. And over the past ten years, I've seen like I don't think anyone's following these damn rules. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, get it, man. so everyone like oh, until that barrier gets opened up a bit, so they push it a little bit more, push it a little bit more, push it a little bit more, and then someone gets banned. Okay, we'll start back here again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that explains a lot. Okay, that explains a whole lot of things uh, based on whatever we've been watching lately in cinemas <laughs> and also on TV. That explains it a lot, man, because I've always wondered this, like, why the dialogues are such, man? Why is the shots are like like that? It's like, come on, man, is this annoying? Like, Hence the reason remember why back in the 90s um, when suddenly the government said, no, everyone has to speak Baku on TV? Yeah, yes. Do you hear yes. everyone speaking Baku now? No, it, it just changes. It just disappears. It's it's like a phase. It goes on yeah. for a while, and then that's it. it goes missing. Yeah. Then. You know, but for a couple why. of years, we were stuck with people berchakap saparti ini. You know how much <laughs> of jobs? You know how much of jobs I'd lost because of that? Because they made you DJs do that too, didn't you? Yeah, I I just had a VO job recently, uh, two days ago. It's like, dude, you still have. Surprisingly, they brought it back uh, for certain things. It's like, dude, uh, you need to do this. Uh, please read it in Basir Baku. It's like, what the fuck? How the hell am I going to do it again? I can't remember <laughs> how the whole thing works, man. But okay, I did it somehow. Somehow I just managed to do it, but God knows the amount of corrections, the retakes I had to do just for that. Ah, oh, man. But that's the reason why I said even these dialogues and the uh, things like without that censorship required, uh, Kickflip had it all. It's like every details, every conversation that took place in that was so so real you know the whole whole thing which i loved it so much man i was just like okay fine something i felt like i was in the movie itself so amazing dude amazing so Thank for those you so if you haven't checked it out yet please head on to uh, movie.com you can get it from there it's movie as in m-u-b-i right yes not m-o-v-i-e it's m-u-b-i.com it's an amazing movie um I, one of the scenes that one of my favorite scenes i one of it sorry there's so many favorite scenes was uh, when you uh, Johan, wife, Lisa, Lisa, right? Lisa, Lisa, Lisa. Lisa, the friend? Yeah. Yeah, the friend. Okay, that scene, 
is something that personally I've experienced it many times. There's always that one asshole who comes and talks like that. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you got to watch it. Trust me, for those who don't know what am I talking about, watch the movie and you know what I mean, man. I can bet you 8 out of 10 people who watch this movie would just go back and say, yes, I've lived it, I've experienced this, I've met these kind of assholes, and this is how the life is all about. And even towards the ending, the, the closing of the whole movie was uh, fantastic. Like, I'm, I'm just trying not to give away much of the movie. Please, please, stop me, stop me as much as I can. This, I mean, is there, like, it's not like there's a big twist or anything. I, yeah. Is there an issue if you spoil it? <laughs> yeah. No. I, I just I don't know. I just want people to watch it to know it for themselves, man. Because like I said earlier, there's an emotional connection to this uh, particular movie. That's that's the main thing. It's like how people want to uh, translate it for to connect with them is a different thing. Some people might have done I don't know, uh, being a mechanic, race car driver. Some of them DJing. Uh, maybe some of them being a painter or something like that, giving up, sacrificing certain things. Uh, everybody could connect to the movie. I can daringly say that. Like I said, at least about 70% of people could actually connect to this particular movie. Hence the reason why I find it to be my favorite movie for 2020, man. That's, that's I have you. to admit it, man. And uh, <laughs> speaking of which, uh, also, you sang in that movie also, right? Yeah, uh, the opening and closing track. So, speaking and, of singing, um, how's Kaimano doing? The band, <laughs> the band, Kaimano, man. It's been a bit quiet. It has been very quiet, actually. Um, and it's also been tough to record here. Uh, what do you call it? Um, MCO has made all my neighbors stay at home in the day. So <laughs> there's a lot of neighborhood noise. Uh, but yeah. No, but um, so that opening and closing track, that's um, the opening is the original demo for that song that I wrote and recorded in 99, no, 2000. Um, on a on a laptop with 256 megabyte RAM, kids. No, How'd you like yay. that? You saw that. You saw that. No excuses. No excuses um, whatsoever, Ben. Yeah. So then the end credits, I re-recorded that song um, yeah. more than 20 years later. And then most of the score as well I did with a few tracks from some friends of mine. Yeah. With the schedule that you have right now, is like Kai Mano going back again, I mean, performing in gigs and all. Is it coming up soon? Anything next year, perhaps, once everything is okay? Not sure yet, because I'm basically um, I'm trying to write some new stuff and record some new stuff. And um, I mean, I've been messing around just a lot with how I record. Um, so I don't know if it'll be, you know, Kaimano as a three piece or, you know, if it'll be just me or like a bigger band. I have no idea, you know, because um, I'm still just messing around with stuff. And especially like nowadays, I'm just like, because before it was always a three piece and okay. a certain sound and dynamic. Um, and of course, people get older and don't have as much time to jam with each other, stuff like that. Um, and so, yeah, because I mean, as you would know, you see me in a bunch of different bands, you know, I've got a ton of different influences. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm trying to I'm just trying out some stuff. So I'll be on my guitar at one one minute and then I'll be on like a, an MPC on the next hitting the 16 pads. I'll be on the keyboards and yeah, just trying stuff out. So we'll see right. if anything comes out, it'll come out next year. I'm definitely looking forward for that, man. It's like, <laughs> like I said earlier, every time we meet, it's like a different form, a different version of Kai that I see, man. Versus the previous with Y2K, then it was Kai Mano, what's next? God knows, man. God knows. And of course, uh, one of the things that, of course, uh, I enjoy most about you is uh, the uh, podcast that you have called uh, Geek in Geeks in Malaysia, uh, together Thank with you. and also Nick Dorian. 
Um, I must say, you guys are pretty much the uh, pioneers of podcasting in Malaysia, man. No, la. Hey, come on. Seriously, <laughs> I, I heard the word podcast from you. And this was many, many years ago. Okay, This was many, many years ago when uh, nobody knew what it was podcasting was all about. Until I was, I, I just learned the whole thing from you, actually. It's like I you mean, said, even, hey, <laughs> even for us, like, um, I mean, before that, like, I was really into podcasts, podcasts because of uh, Kevin Smith, because I'm a huge Kevin Smith fan. And when I discovered, like, he has this whole other career podcasting, I'm like, okay. And suddenly those hours of content um, by this guy that I never knew existed. And I always thought it would be a cool idea, but I didn't know whether it would work. Um, and actually, a podcast that came before us, um, probably Malaysia's first geek podcast, Makiap um, and Fries, Gavin Yap and Ian McNally's podcast, that had been around before. So, And because I was getting to know Gavin Yap at the time, I was like, wait, people are already podcasting? Okay, this is yeah. possible. So, And I had mics at home. So I think one day I asked Amelia whether she wanted to do a podcast just for... Um, like uh, this thing called uh, Wham that my friend Michael, the guy playing the douchebag in the dinner scene, uh, oh, okay. he started this site back in the day to try and promote you know, local content. And we thought to do a podcast on that. And then it became, when that ended, we like thought, okay, let's just do a podcast on the stuff we like. And it's been fun. It's been tons of fun. Um, yeah, even I though I that, miss meeting them physically to record a podcast, doing it like this has been a bit trying at times. I know it, it is a tough thing. It's like even like I said, when uh, I, a lot of things that I do right now is like even on my podcast, I use you hmm. as an inspiration or rather as a benchmark on things that goes on. It's like even the setup is like you, you want to know. You see the the, the the TV down there. I just got uh -huh. it ready just because I was having a chat with you. I just want to make sure everything is right. How the everything works, you know. I knew one fine day I'm gonna have a chat with you, so I gotta make everything right, dude. I just gotta make everything right because you you have been doing it for a while, and the best part is you know about setup, you know about lightings and the whole works. And I here I am with a thirty ringgit cheap light and a stupid TV in the back dude. of me. That's that's the best I could go for. It's like I gotta it keep up, totally step works. up my game. <laughs> just because of you guys and knowing the audio quality of it and. Uh, how the whole podcast thing works. I have to admit it. I have used your show as a benchmark on how the whole thing runs. And even the conversation oh. that goes on in your show, it's amazing. Really? Just... Sometimes some of the recordings are god-awful, and I made those recordings. I, but, dude, com in comparison to whatever I do, it's like, hey, I still <laughs> like it, man. I, you know, but the Thank whole you. idea. But the thing about podcasting in Blazia, how do you how do you find it, man? It's like the acceptance level... Um, now I know there's a lot of things, uh, a lot of people doing it, and it seems to be gaining traction on it. But at least yeah, I mean, especially this years. year. Yeah, especially yeah. this year, it feels like it's been gaining a lot of traction because <clears throat> I would say definitely like not a lot of people in Malaysia even knew what a podcast was. And I think this year more no, simply because it, you know, we were look all looking for content, just something to take our mind off this weird hellish existence we've been brought into. Um, so people are like, oh, there's podcasts, there's live streams, there's this, there's that. And people are discovering new content. And yeah, um, I mean, it also helps that in America, podcasting has you know become mainstream. You know what I mean? It, um, it is a billion dollar industry, man. Oh, yeah. There are TV shows that are being greenlit by podcasts. Movies been greenlit by podcasts. You know, it's... it's um, it's definitely considered a legit form of content, and over here it's still starting up. So, um, yeah. Like, but and, you know, it's it's starting up. It's obviously a lot more because I remember when we first started, and 
you know, I'd be like, five people listen today, man. Hey. hey. <laughs> I know that feeling. I truly know that feeling, man. I had that and in my first show. It's not like it's gone up to like millions. It's nowadays more, hey, 30 people listen today. Hey. Yeah, it's a big deal. You know, that's the best part about podcasting. It's like, uh, you know me, right? It's from radio days to online radio. When you created something like that, the ratings mm. played an important role. That, and when, mm. when you say about ratings, you're talking about thousands of people and so on. But when it comes to podcast world, it's a little bit different. Like what he said earlier, we get about 100 like, downloads or whatever. It's like, whoa, I made it yeah. today. Like, I'm at the top exactly. of the world right now. I'm the next Joe Rogan and all this kind of things <laughs> going on. <laughs> You know, it, I, I'd like to ask you a question, actually. Like now, yeah. now I'm thinking about it. Going from uh, what do you call it, um, radio to podcasts. Oh wow, that's weird how phones do that. Um, <laughs> going from yeah, from radio to podcast. Do you find it a bit strange making the conversation more loose and not trying to keep it within a time limit? Actually. Uh... That actually changed for me uh, uh, from radio to online radio because when it came to online radio, no such thing as time limit. Uh, the last time you remember okay. when we spoke uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, one of the cool. online radio station, we didn't have mm. actually time limit. So I kind of felt that uh, I was already halfway there. The mm. only difference is I don't have music involved in this in uh. podcast that I'm doing right now. But uh, it is kind of fun. I kind of enjoyed more on podcast, man. Like the freedom you right? have, you just blabber away, you just talk as much as you want, no time limit, say whatever you want, no There's not a producer tapping on the window, like you gotta, yes. you gotta do that exactly. promo in like 30 seconds. Yeah, you gotta read this, you gotta read that. It's like, you know, the freedom you have in podcasts is amazing. I'm truly enjoying it because I'm the kind of guy you just give me the mic and I'll talk for days. I got no problem with that, man. And the podcasting is one of the best things that ever happened to me. Wow, a, awesome. Yeah, I'm glad to hear yeah, it's a nice thing. It's good that I got like, into you it. Know, Thanks to you guys. People don't realize, like, sometimes just listening to a conversation is fun. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. Very much. Like, I, I first, first, I, I was a bit skeptical about podcasts. It's like, what would people talk about for one hour straight or maybe 45 minutes? No break, no song, no whatsoever. So, when the, the initial idea is like, when I first came into the, the, the podcast world doing my research, I was like listening and listening and listening. I was going episodes after episodes after episodes. I was like, damn. Like, this is better than radio, dude. Compared to what is going on in radio right now, it's like okay, I talk for two. I mean, thirty seconds, play a song with four hundred and fifty promos and five hundred ads in between. <laughs> then I come back again and talk about give you life advice. You know, did you just hate it in radios? Everybody seems to be your so-called father, your mother, giving you life advice on how you should live your life. <laughs> I, I am so glad I never saw you get to the point where you were doing public service. And not like PSA mini ads between your shows. I'm no, like, man. oh Never man, I can't it. imagine him doing a, hey, <laughs> you should go outside and stop playing those video games all the time. Fuck you, man. <laughs> you want to play, you play. I'm not your father. <laughs> Do it, man. <laughs> that would have been me. That would have been so me. Uh, no oh, way, man. No. When, those, you know, when you they do. started doing the PSAs on radios, at a certain point, I was like, are they going to tell me how to brush my teeth next? Because that's yeah. the most obvious shit. Exactly. Like, look up whilst using your phone when you're crossing the street. No shit, Sherlock. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just getting bloody annoyed, man. I seriously, I just felt like my 
that my late father was actually appearing on radio telling me this, telling me that. Eat properly, <laughs> stand properly, walk properly, talk properly, sleep properly. It's like, oh, gosh. It's like my father all over again, man. Please, radios, if you're listening to this whole conversation, stop doing that. We know how to live our lives. Enough, man. We got parents, we got wives, we got girlfriends to tell us all that. We don't need radio jocks to do that for us. Oh, man, it's seriously. But seriously, uh, once again, dude, it is so much fun chatting with you. I kind of miss doing this, man. I just, it, oh, yeah. just, it takes every five years. You've got to do this more often, man. Seriously, you've got to start doing that. And let's, not, let's not wait for another seven years for your next exactly. movie or some shows or whatever, <laughs> man. You've got to stop doing that. Now that podcast, you can just drop in anytime you want, man. Just drop in anytime you want. And so what's tell you what? next for you? Tell you yeah. what, like, uh, would you want to be on Geek in Malaysia? I would love to, man. That would be a big honor for me. Okay, Huge let me honor, run it actually. through with the guys. No Let me problem, run it through man. with the guys. It shouldn't be a problem at all. Let's have nice. you on there. Let's find out what it's like on your side. <laughs> hmm, that, that'll be the first time being uh, on the other side. Actually, first time, second time, yeah. So, yeah, it usually happens, man. No one interviews you? Come on. Me? Who wants? They know. They know I talk too much. They say, shut up, Nav. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, stick to, we'll stick to the phone interviews. We'll do some write-ups about you, and that's about it. That's the furthest you get. <laughs> Nothing much. TV, no way, because I have a face for meant for radio only. So see, ah, that's uh, the thing. Like that's the other trend I saw these days with radio. I'm like, why has everyone got to look good and be on billboards for radio? This is ridiculous. Exactly. Why? Like, what is that about? Why? Yeah. Like I was, um, I was shooting something. I won't say which radio station, but I was shooting something. It was a radio station where they live stream the show as well, right in the booth. Like they have a live video, and it's a morning slot. So the, and it's, I think it's two guys and a girl. So obviously the girl has to come in two hours in advance to get hair and makeup done, oh. you know, before going on at 5.30 in the morning. I'm like, that's not part of your job. Holy yeah. shit, you're there to talk. What is this? Exactly. Yeah, the whole radio thing on TV is like, I, I don't get it, man. It's like when I first started, <laughs> this was way back when I first started, it was just about you, the microphone and the radio. That's about it. Nothing more than that. I've even yeah. came to a point in my life where people said that uh, some of the producers or the bosses came in and said, "Enough, hey, uh, your show is going to be on TV. We're going to stream it on TV or show it on one of the TV stations. Can you go and cut your hair?" Oh, it's like what? Oh. I'm just going to be there for about ten minutes, and I'm supposed to cut my hair that I grew all this while? <laughs> I said, "Thank you very much. Thank you, but no thanks, man." So it it, it happens. So it's like I say, radio. I you stick to radio, man. I was going to say, like, you know, like that. I mean, that's the point of radio. You can wear whatever you want. But then I remembered one time we were going to come on your show and we weren't allowed in. Uh, that was Paul. Paul. Yes. Uh, Paul came in with the short pants. Short pants and a sleeveless t shirt. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that was definitely, so was like, definitely Paul. <laughs> yeah. So they were like, oh, you can't go to work in shorts, even in radio, huh? Yeah, actually, that only works in that that particular station that I was working with, man. Yes, it's like, for I, understandable I reasons. <laughs> yeah. You know the race driver, Alex Young? Yeah, well, not personally, okay. but yeah. Okay, he once came in with shorts and sleepers. So oh. he had this particular segment that needed to go on in about, say, 20 minutes, and the guards didn't allow him in <laughs> because he was wearing shorts. So what happened was one of the other DJs had to go outside to the car park take off uh -huh. his pants and loan it to Alex Young and sit in the car with his underwear until the entire <laughs> radio show ended. 
Yes. <laughs> and uh, that, that particular DJ is now on one of those big TV stations right now, or the news stations. If only they knew the history of what happened in the car park, a DJ in his underwear, just waiting for the entire show to finish. That was amazing, man. Can you imagine your boss comes in and he like stops by, sees you in the car. Like, what are you doing? Like, don't look down. No, no, God, are you in your underwear? Because of Alex Young. <laughs> what did Alex Young do to you? No, the thing is, Alex actually agreed to wear somebody else's pants. That's the best part. <laughs> You know, that was the thing. That's the best part about radio that I miss, man. All those little details that works on, <laughs> ah, man, a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff that took place. I remember even we used to have fun, like, uh, uh, we recorded the whole show, the show that you were on before when, uh, during Y2K mm. days, the rock show that he had. Yeah. What he, we used to do was, um, we used to record the whole talk set, the music and all those things. We just line up the whole thing for about an hour, 45 minutes. We'll uh -huh. just play it. Me and my partner will just go out, smoke up a little bit, and listen to our own show. <laughs> <laughs> Drive around the parking lot. Hey, that sounds good. Yeah, I know. That sounds okay, real man. good. Shit, that's a nice, there's a good stuff going on there. So those, those are the things that took place actually in Radio World that a lot of people wouldn't know. And uh, nowadays, it's different. Nowadays, it's too... Uh, it's too stiff, man. I don't know. I just find it. Do you, th do you find it that way, listening to radios? I mean, that's the thing. I don't even listen to the radio anymore. I miss the radio, but I don't even listen to it anymore because, you know, like most of the stations were just filled up with ads. Yeah. Or, as in you know, the, the, or like they're all playing the same song. Yeah, you that's, know? that's another issue that's been going on, man. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just I'm just trying to figure out what exactly they're trying to do. Is like how long is this going to go on for? Because I know they've been picking up formats from other parts of the world, but uh, it's getting tiring, man. It's getting pretty tiring. Yeah, and that's why, like, because to me, like, there are certain occupations that to me I really, really respect for many reasons, and radio DJ was one of them. You know, because to me, like, a radio DJ represents. Um, Number one, just the, the skill of doing the job, keeping shit in time, being able to talk and control your subject within a segment, you know, switching the songs, curating the songs, and also like you're supposed to be a tastemaker. You know what I mean? And so you would go to the stations or the DJ slots of people where you're like, okay, this person's uh, choices of music is usually spot on. So I'm going to check out what he listens to, what he or she listens to. Um, so when you switch five channels and you're still hearing Drake, like nothing against yeah. Drake, but it's like, Why? I know you're all getting paid to pay, play Drake, but could you play something else in between? Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. That's, um, that's the thing about formatted uh, formatted radios, and I, I feel sorry for s some of the DJs uh, these days because you have no choice but to follow that exact same format. I, you play what we uh, whatever we tell you to, you say hmm. whatever you tell we tell you to. So it's, it's I, I was surprised. There was one time when I came on your show and I think you were moved to a morning slot or something. And I was surprised to see like you're not even picking out the songs anymore. And you were like, no, all seven have been slotted in already. So I just, okay, you want to go for a cigarette? I'm like, is this DJ now? <laughs> you're just there like, okay, I've got seven songs worth of break time before I got to go back in there <laughs> and tell people what the next seven songs are. <laughs> And that, that kind of ruined it, man. I mean, I, that's that was one of the reasons why I actually gave up uh, radio back then. I just couldn't take it yeah, anymore. Yeah. It was no more fun, man. 
because it wasn't just like the radio shows I listened to, but like Good Morning Vietnam was a huge favorite movie of mine when I was a young teenager because I love Robin Williams. And, you know, just watching that, like, holy shit, like you are in control. Like yep. that booth was his, you know, his musical choices while going out there. He was, you know, and people were listening because they wanted to know what he was going to play and what he was going to say. Like to me, that's amazing. So like, it totally makes sense for me that you move over to the podcast. Uh, what do you call it? Whatever you want to call it, ecosphere or whatever the fuck, you know, because like, again, it's like format radio. The DJ is almost an afterthought these days, which I feel sad about, yeah. you know, because it's not like they have a lot of room to say stuff. Yeah. Know? And and everybody expects those those guys, uh, radio jocks or DJs, whatever you call it, uh, to be funny. Every segment, they have to be funny. It's supposed yeah. to be hilarious. There's no more that that personal identity. Everybody sounds the same. That's that's the sad part of it. Yeah. And uh, the whole idea of like Good Morning Vietnam, that's how it was when I started off. It's like you had the freedom. Even for some one particular station or rather the place that I used to work with, I think the DJs still have the uh, freedom of selecting your songs. You have the freedom to do that. It's just that you have to select it from the, these this particular oh. genre or this particular selections of theirs so you can pick it in whatever way you want. So I think I, I think it still works that way for them. Okay. But it's not the same. Like, it's no fun anymore. Like, like I was actually really thinking about doing a podcast uh, radio, like music show. Um, and then, but the thing is like nowadays with algorithms searching everything, I can't seem to find a good legal answer as to how to go about doing it. But I heard Spotify is changing that. Uh, now you can just start including your songs into your whole uh, uh, podcast thing. Eh? No, but I mean, like, let's say if you wanted to do a podcast, let's say, and okay, in this hour, I'm going to be playing tracks from this era of blues music. You know what I mean? Like, the songs that have a copyright ID, right? So how does it work now? You know, I, I, I'm not quite sure because I haven't been able oh. to find real answers. Yeah, because what I've read recently about uh, Spotify allowing people to uh, actually pick the songs, whatever you want, mm -hmm. whichever mm -hmm. you want, which has their uh, so-called copyright and all, from their playlist. Whatever's available on Spotify, you can just take it and put it into your uh, your podcast. It allows and you to do that. But, yeah, they, that. but you have to host the podcast on Spotify? Uh, I think so. I think so. It's only for Spotify. I don't know about the rest of the, the, rest of the platforms yet. Hmm. Because I know Anchor okay. hosts, uh, Anchor, it, because Spotify owns Anchor, right? So I think Anchor allows you oh. to do that. But over in here in Malaysia, I'm not too sure yet. Hmm. Okay. Yes. Yeah, but I think... Oh, yeah, you see, it's kind of confusing. <laughs> yeah. Same like our censorship board. <laughs> 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 oh, man. Dude, I think you're going to wrap things up. Uh, well, I have to say, oh, yeah. this has been one of the uh, fun interviews I've had for 2020. And, uh, hey, well, thanks, man. Just, I think I'll just wrap up the season there with this particular interview. I don't know yet. Still another few more weeks to go. But uh, once again, please, for those who are listening in right now, please check out the movie Kickflip. Awesome, awesome, fantastic movie. It's available on Mubi.com. That's M-U-B-I.com. Go there. It's only about five bucks to subscribe for seven days. And uh, if you want to have the monthly subscription, it's only about 10 ringgit or so. So go ahead, check out. You have to check it out. Share it with as many people as possible. I'll try to put the link in uh, the comment section over here. So whoever wants it can just click on it and watch it for them. What's, it, what's up for you next? Dude. Something yeah. 
Sorry, don't Something know. Wi-Fi just, just went down for like two minutes, and then now it's back up again. Yeah. <laughs> I was just babbling all by myself for a second ago, but uh, before, <laughs> uh, before that, I just want to check uh, with you. What's up next for you, man? After uh, not sure yet, to be honest. I just know that, um, what do you call it? Like now that, you know, the world has pretty much ostensibly changed. Um, it's also like, you know, you try and look at the brighter side of things and on the brighter side, like there's, it's a whole new paradigm, you know, of how movies released, how movies made, how entertainment is made in general. So I think next year you're going to explore some of that shit. Like, I don't know whether it's going to be more on YouTube or on other streaming services, but yeah, let's see what kind of stuff can pop out and hopefully, hopefully maybe some music. Um, nice. But in the meantime, uh, yes, Kickflip will be available on movie exclusively. Um, and probably by around February, we're going to open it up on other platforms and hopefully we'll find an international platform as well so that people outside of Malaysia can watch it. Because right now it's geo-blocked to Malaysia only. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, okay. Uh, I was just about to share with my friends there abroad. I was just talking about yeah. this, But uh, thank God you mentioned about this or else what a bit of a waste of my money even. Yeah, <laughs> wait, wait till February, uh, and hopefully, I'll be able to find some international places to put it on. Excellent. Uh, I'm just yeah. curious before I forget, uh, you remember a couple of years back, you did this so called short film uh, called Masked, the vigilante ah, yeah. thingy. Yeah, 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 any plans of doing a series kind of thingy? Because I, I seriously, when the first time I watched it, that was the era of every director was going into uh, the Adobe After Effect, but you came up with this particular set of, uh, <laughs> I mean, so called vigilante series. Uh, sorry, Vigilante Shortfall. Any plans of doing a series out of it? I had some ideas like at the that. time. I had some some ideas at the time, but it kind of fizzled out. Um, and then another filmmaker friend of mine in Brunei um, kind of ran with the idea uh, and put his own spin on it. Um, I can't remember what the official title of the movie was off the top of my head now, though, because the original title was banned. Um, what was it called? I think it might be called Prima Jaya. I can't remember. But yeah, it was basically using the same mask, but and the premise and checking some, exploring it in a different direction. But yeah, like for me, I don't know. Um, that thing was a cool idea at the time, and I had some ideas on how to make little mini short films to carry on that series, but it kind of fizzled out. So sorry about that. <laughs> oh, man. I hope I hope to see you doing that sometime in the near future, man. It was kind of nice. Well, before there was Daredevil, before there was so-called uh, or whatever, there was Mast. So I was actually hoping for that to be a, a continuation of the whole thing. There's a uh, few other forward. ideas that um, me and my wife and a few friends are brewing up for content. So hopefully next year, some other stuff that will be coming out from this side. <laughs> nice, man. Nice. Anyway, Kai, once again, a big, big, big thank you. And uh, congratulations for that amazing kickflip. It's an awesome thing uh, that thank happened for 2020, despite of all the nonsense <laughs> that was going on, COVID and all the air shutdown and lockdowns. Uh, I think one of the best things that happened was your movie. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> thank you very, very much. And I hope everybody checks it out. And don't forget, it's movie.com, available right now. And uh, look forward for it for the friends abroad. February, right? Hopefully should February. be around February, hopefully. Yeah, Fingers crossed, hopefully. knock on wood. And uh, don't forget to follow Kai on his social media pages. Just look for Kai Baha and... Kai Mano. No, no, just... Kai um, Mano, sorry. What my username is over there? Oops, whoops. Yeah, there. Kai Mano. 
yeah. Kai Baha is a different dude altogether, right? I'm just basically going with Kaimano now for everything because I'm like, okay, no one else is called that yet. Yeah, I know. Except man. for I was making... one Italian house song, but that's okay. <laughs> now, even when I was making that poster, I was like, okay, what do I put this guy? Can I call him Kai? No, Kai doesn't work. Kai, Kai Ambaha, the dude has so many names. It's just like, okay, fuck it, let's do this and let's see what happens yeah. after that, man. So, Kai, <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, best of luck in your podcast. Once again, uh, looking forward to check that out for the uh, podcast lovers out there. Uh, check out Geeks in Malaysia. It's available on Spotify and all the uh, major podcast platforms. Check it out over there and follow them on their Instagram page too, Geeks in Malaysia. Kai, thank you so much, man. Thank you for Appreciate having me, man. Absolutely. Let's pleasure. catch up for a drink soon. Yes, Real sir. soon. No, <laughs> no more seven years, no more five years, right? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Thanks a lot, dude. Take care. Take care, man.